Live, and we will just give it a few seconds to go over and make sure that there are no other hiccups there. And I'd like to welcome everybody back to Alabama Care. Today we have Dr. Malik Trivedi, the co-founder of Station MD, and Mrs. Paige Bagby, the communications manager at Station MD. Today we're going to be talking about the company and technology behind Station MD and how they are serving the disability community and how we can get Station MD here in Alabama. At this point, I'd like to hand it over. Dr. Trivedi, if you would introduce yourself. Hi, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, and uh, I am Malik Trivedi. I am one of the co-founders of Station MD. I am a physician by training and my role in the organization currently is business development and uh, to get the word out about our organization. And uh, I'll let Paige introduce herself. Yes, sir. Hi. Thank you for being uh, with us. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having us on today. Um, so I'm Paige Bagby, the communication manager at Station MD. And um, as uh, Alex said, we are both here in Alabama. So I lived in New York City for over a, de a decade working in healthcare. Um, I moved to Alabama, where I'm originally from, um, when COVID hit. And moved over by uh, Lakeshore in Birmingham and into a community where there are many individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities who became um, who were my neighbors and quickly became my friends. Um, in that time, I've seen a lot of the transportation issues that they face, and um, it's especially challenging when they have a medical episode. Um, so as a result, uh, me working with Station MD and um, living next to them, we started to collaborate. Uh, I've been introduced to Alex at Alabama Care, and here we are today to have this conversation. We appreciate at Alabama Care and the audience for you guys giving us some time this afternoon. Um, and I just want to point out that Paige and, and I are in Alabama, um, but uh, Dr. Trivedi and Station MD are nationwide. Um, and serving a number of states, number of clients nationwide. Um, Dr. Trivedi, if you could give us a little bit of history of Station MD and the reason behind uh, this product and service. Sure, sure. Uh, I'd be happy to. So let me an understanding of who we are and what we do. <clears throat> and then I can talk a little bit about how we were founded. So Station MD, our, our mission at Station MD is to elevate the quality of medical care for individuals with IDD, intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, we want to bring the care that we think this population deserves and elevate it and make it better. We just happen to use telehealth and telemedicine to do that. <clears throat> uh, we founded the organization about, I think it was 2017. Uh, and by training, I'm an emergency medicine physician. I've uh, been practicing for over 20 years in the New York region. Uh, and my three other partners are also physicians. And really, this the organization was born out of us seeing individuals uh, coming to the ER or urgent care um, really for issues that we felt they don't need to be in, in the ER for. And it was just really rough on them. Number two, <clears throat> we saw the trauma that family members were going through or, or DSPs, direct support professionals, in just getting them to the, the, to the emergency department or urgent care. Uh, and then once they were there, um, we really didn't know how to care for them in the best possible way, didn't really understand or appreciate the nuances that a family member goes through or you know what it takes not just clinically, but also non-clinically. Um, <clears throat> and most of you on this call probably already know that most doctors aren't super well-versed in caring for this population. And this, by default, individuals don't get the care that they receive. 
I'm very comfortable saying that because I was one of those doctors, as were uh, many of my colleagues. Um, and so we thought, hey, is there a better way that we can deliver care to this population and not make it so difficult and challenging on their family? And that was really the birth of Station MD uh, in roughly 2017. And as you mentioned, that, that was in New York area. Now we are in about 14 states. So. Yeah. Why do you think that the emergency room is kind of the go-to for individuals and families in this community? Sure, sure. Well, <clears throat> part of it is uh, it's just a larger, uh, a challenging problem. That's a national problem um, of really caring for this population the way they deserve. You really need to be specially trained. So there aren't that many physicians who really understand those nuances and needs. Now, you may have a primary care physician that that uh, that cares for the individual in, in general, did someone to address the need, but because of the challenges of this population, oftentimes by default, they go, well, you know, I can't handle this. This needs to go to the ER. Or you may be part of a clinic system where there's not a physician available all the time. So by default, go to the ER. You know, the emergency department is a safety net, um, but it also is kind of a, a place of last resort where people go. I've had individuals come to the ER for simply for a medication refill because they can't reach your doctor. Um, and that's not to say that there aren't great doctors out there, but doctors uh, are busy in their office all day and this something may transpire in the middle of the night and they may not get back to you immediately. Or if they do, they not necessarily feel, may not feel comfortable handling it over the phone. And so again, uh, you go to the ER. Um, <clears throat> the challenge for this population about going to the ER, I, I'll say going to the ER for anyone isn't gonna be a pleasant experience. But you can imagine if you have sensory issues, you're nonverbal. Obviously, if you're a family member, you can appreciate you have to drop everything and go to the ER and you're, you know, maybe have to miss work. So um, there are a lot of reasons, but the main reasons are there just really isn't good care for this population otherwise. And it's it's the, the place of last resort. Yeah, um, and that makes sense. And, and that transportation page that you were talking about uh, can be very hard in the community. And then when you get there, sometimes the emergency room, you're sitting there for a few hours before uh, you're able to be seen. But that story of someone going to the ER because they can't get a script filled is outrageous to me. Um, and yeah. we're kind of hearing, um, you know, nobody wakes up thinking I want to do a disservice to those that I serve, but can be a little <clears throat> overwhelming. And you mentioned that some of the doctors just don't have the specialized training. Um, are you noticing that there's more training going into the medical field now uh, to support the disability community? Well, that's a great point. Um, I'll say first and foremost, um, it's a real gap in medical education and training in medical schools. Um, it's getting a little better, but really we're, we're far from the, the where I think we need to be in terms of educating our new physicians on how to care for this population to understand them. Um, one of the things that all of our physicians, just to give you an idea, all of our physicians, of course, board certified doctors and many years of experience and, and carefully vetted by us, but they all go through a specialized curriculum and training to understand the needs of this population. So that's clinical where, um, you know, constipation in someone uh, with cerebral palsy is very different than someone that uh, doesn't have that disability. A urinary tract infection turns into urosepsis. So there's all clinical picture that we train our doctors uh, to learn and understand, but also the non-clinical. Like I said, um, just understanding, you know, what uh, a mother goes through caring for her child with um, uh, some a severe disability and being sensitive to that. You know, it's like it, for you as a physician that maybe doesn't understand, say, 
well, you know, why don't you just run to the pharmacy and get this med? Or why don't you just go in the urgent care? And Well, that is a process and, and it's difficult. So our, our physicians are obviously clinically trained to understand those <clears throat> aspects of this population, but also those non-clinical challenges that this um, group of individuals, uh, you know, has to endure. That being said, <clears throat> I do think that um, the value of being able to keep someone in their home setting if they have a disability is greater than someone like you or I. I mean, it, it's miserable to go to the doctor's office or ER, but you know, when you hop in the car or take a cab and you're there and you're by yourself and you handle it, uh, getting someone that maybe can't walk or like I said, doesn't talk or has sensory issues and they may need specialized transportation. Uh, you're also putting that support staff or family member, they're out of commission for six hours. Um, and uh, we could tell you a story or story. Hopefully, we'll have some time to give you some examples of how we can impact that and really reverse that. Um, something that would have taken hours in the ER, we handle and resolve in 20 minutes. Yeah, and I think that's very important that you stress not just the clinical side of things, but also <clears throat> speaking with the families as, as a holistic approach. Yeah. And from speaking with a number of parents, uh, they say, you know, being able to be heard by the doctors or being heard by the professional is part of that process. It's not so clinical where they're just asking questions and jotting stuff down on a paper, but being able to express their fears and their concerns for their loved ones goes a long way uh, in the long-term success, uh, you know, physical well-being of the, that family member. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I will tell you um, on more than one occasion where I've had consultations with the individual um, so just to give you an idea, we could have an individual that I'm speaking to, their support staff, their family member, and someone else in another county or part of the state can patch them in. So we're all talking. And many times I've had the you know family member support staff say, this is the most I've spoken to a physician ever. Because uh, it's one-on-one, -on -one. I'm not distracted by you know my entire emergency department or if it's a doctor's office, all the other patients. I'm focused on the primary issue at hand and that's that person. Um, but yeah, I mean, having the ability to understand and listen to the needs and I'll face, you know, there's a lot of issues that go into the care for this population and no one knows the individual better than the family. You know, um, I've been educated by mothers many times like, no, this, I, this is how he behaves when this, um, you know, when he shakes his head, that means he has a toothache or, you know, this is not him. He's not himself or his, herself. Um, and we really listen because, um, this this is an individual that has expressed themselves in other ways and so the family knows you know something wrong they may not know exactly what's wrong but they know something's wrong and and that is so critical um and another part yeah. of it is is you, you get to see them you know in their own home environment once i get someone in the er and they're sitting in the waiting room for four to six hours and they're already you know bouncing off the walls and agitated you know, as opposed to now I see them in their own room with their, you know, whatever their personal belongings, it's a, it's a lot different and obviously a lot more convenient. So. Yeah. Going to the uh, doctor, sometimes my blood pressure goes up you know, and yeah, I get a higher absolutely. reading there. It's like, I'm not usually this nervous, <laughs> um, yeah, but I, really yeah, I have a family member. She's my aunt um, and she has cerebral palsy. And you pointed mm -hmm. out earlier that constipation can look very different in a person with cerebral palsy. Um, yeah. And that remind there has been a few instances we didn't know what was going on, but my aunt was was straining so hard that she was turning blue and passing out to the yeah. point that we had to call we had to call an ambulance. And she did have to go to the ER. We thought something major was going on with <laughs> the heart. You know, a lot of different scare there. And it, it came out to she was just constipated. 
Um, and you know, we got on some other colase, some things like that. Yeah. Uh, and we haven't had a, an issue since then, but for a professional and a doctor to be aware that constipation, uh, affects people differently that have CP is a huge advantage to the family where you're not, right. you know, this happened three times before we've actually yeah. found a solution. Um, so to, yeah, no, to absolutely. Have I, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that you make a very good point and, but, and it's unfortunate that, that that's not the norm. You know, when you go to the doctor, you expect the doctor to, you assume the doctor knows everything about you and, and your disorder, but that's not mm -hmm. the case. Now, not everyone knows everything, but I think there's a core base knowledge of that physicians should have when caring for this population. You know, we do about 26,000 virtual encounters with just with individuals with disabilities. The odds are that we've seen it before, and that is very important to have that breadth of knowledge and understanding because as I said, these are not inconsequential. Consequential. The constipation, if it wasn't addressed, would turn into bowel obstruction, and then you're hospitalized, and, and people have died from that. Uh, and that's one example. You know, this population tends, individuals with disabilities tend to have aspiration pneumonia. Um, but I think it also really helps to understand the challenges. Um, you know, uh, I don't know, Paige has a, uh, a story of an individual that we took care of, um, and a child that had an ear infection that we handled. Uh, I think Amanda was her name. I don't know, Paige, do you recall that? But um, I think that's a great example of how we resolved that that issue. Um, if you wanted to talk, yeah, about Paige, that. tell us about that if you can. Yeah, so we have um, uh, a mom who has used Station MD for her son Cooper, who's eleven years old. Um, her name is Amanda Barnes. She loves to tell her story because um, she really feels like it's helping other families. Um, so Amanda lives in Missouri. Her son, Cooper, is 11. Um, developmentally, he is like a nine-month-old, but he's five foot seven and 190 pounds. And she says he's getting stronger than her by the day. Um, Cooper hates elevators. Um, he has autism, he has sensory <coughs> issues. And so, you know, when, um, to get him to the doctor's office for something is difficult. So, you know, one day she had, um, you know, she noticed him tugging on his ear and, um, their option is to, you know, she has to try and step away from work to try and get an appointment. If she can get an appointment in time with the doctor and, you know, an adequate amount of time, she would take Cooper, but also she has another child, young child, who she has to bring with her, um, getting Cooper into the elevator to get up to the, you know, third floor where the doctor is, is going to come with a struggle. And um, she talks about people staring and, you know, it's, it's just, it becomes a whole scene. Um, and instead she, so Station MD is, has um, partnered with the state of Missouri to be available to all the disability uh, Medicaid waiver recipients. So through that program, um, Amanda was able to just phone up Station D or she launched it on the, on the app on her, you know, iPad or her phone. And, um, was directed to a virtual waiting room for a few minutes. And then um, she was patched through to Dr. Kelly and Dr. Kelly was able to 
you know, talk to her, find out his symptoms, um, you know, talk her through how to give him a balance check. Um, and then it's like, it's, it seems like an ear infection. So, you know, that, that was a 20 minute process. Um, it didn't have to, you know, they had a prescription waiting in the, at the pharmacy in minutes. Um, so this is, you know, another instance is that Amanda Cooper requires, um, medical grade diapers that are not available, um, just at Walmart or Target. So she has to get a prescription for those from the doctor. Well, if it's a Friday afternoon and she realizes at that moment that he's about to run out, then she's out of options. Um, so now she's able to just, yeah. you know, on demand, launch the app, start talking to a station media doctor and get it resolved. Yeah. And uh, thanks for bringing that, that specialized medical supplies. I need to re-up that for my aunt uh, as well. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, but many times I hear that if you're going to, to the doctor, it's a half a day. You got to take off work for a half a day. Um, yeah. And the stress that comes with that, bringing the entire family, all the things that you need during that process. Now, you mentioned if you need to speak with a doctor through Station MD, you can just log on. It's not like you have to make an appointment for next week at four o'clock. No, that's correct. And, and I think the, the critical part to emphasize is, is that um, it is a 24-7 service. And that is correct. You can, we're on all the time. And you usually get a doctor on within minutes um, and to resolve your issue. Uh, <clears throat> the, um, it's an app-based solution that you really simply looking like we're doing this. It's based off of a Zoom um, a platform. And what it is is access to a physician that understands your needs and understands the disability community available 24 hours a day, seven days a week within minutes, not just for these emergent issues, but if you have a question or you need a med refill, or as Paige described, not all calls need to be emergent. You need to get your refill on your, your medical grade diapers or your seizure meds. We're happy to do that. We, we operate really in a, in a fashion that you have a doctor that you can turn to and address your needs whenever you need them from the comfort and safety of your own home with the goal of really improving the overall care. Many times I'll see an individual and I'll institute some treatment or, um, you know, if they're constipated, say, hey, you know, let's try some liquids and then we'll call back in two hours. We'll call back in another two hours. So yeah, <clears throat> it is available all the time. It's available immediately. Um, and it really does foster independence and kind of a peace of mind for family members knowing that you can have someone that you can turn to uh, that can answer those questions and address those needs. I really think it's it's a powerful solution. And, and, I, and I say this all the time, uh, as a physician, I really think this should be the standard of care for individuals with disabilities um, because of all the things we talked about, the challenges that they are uh, enduring and families are enduring. Yeah, I know that families so are enduring. Go ahead, I'm sorry, Paige. Sorry, just to add to that. So the the doctors, the station D doctors, they're not um, they are they're not on call. They're not um, you know sitting having dinner with their families and then go off and take a call. They are on a shift. So you're going to get a doctor who um, has his or her full attention on the patient and um, whoever is on that call. Yeah. No, I think that's that's important to mention. And you know, <clears throat> the one thing I always say is that. You know, if there is any silver lining to the pandemic, uh, it's that uh, telehealth and the delivery of t medicine via tele 
uh, health um, solutions has been widely acceptable and proven itself as a viable means of delivering care. You may have it through your own insurance. Um, you know, uh, I argue that the value of telemedicine for this population is so much greater. I mean, it really is impactful. So, um, you know, one thing that that we have seen uh, is, you know, as I say, serving as a resource. Um, but we are not there to take over the primary care physician. If you have a doctor that you like, you keep your doctor. We are not there to replace them. We're really there to help the individual, the family members, and augment and support that that individual's care, just as if uh, it was uh, virtual ER or virtual urgent care or virtual doctor's office with doctors who knew uh, this population. Now, what does the communication look like between station MD and a primary doctor? So let's say that I have a primary care doctor that I've been with for a number of years, but something happens 10 o'clock at night and I need to call in a station MD uh, for an ear infection, thing like that. How does that communication sure. between station MD and my primary care doctor go from there? Uh, great question. So, you know, we get calls and we'll take that and handle that emergent issue. Like you said, for example, at 10 o'clock at night, every interaction that we have, we document um, and we create a physician's note. And that note is essentially uh, what we saw, our assessment, and then the plan. Um, and oftentimes that plan may be, hey, you're fine right now, or I'm going to do this intervention or start you on these antibiotics. And then you'll need to see your doctor at a more convenient time, maybe the next day, or maybe not. I'll just put a note in to that doctor. Then what we do is when we onboard these individuals, meaning when we take you on as a potential client or patient, we find out who your primary care doctor is and we send and forward that note to the primary care physician. We, um, uh, we can old school fax it or we can send it electronically. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that physician knows, hey, my patient was seen last night at 10 o'clock. Here's what that doctor thought. Uh, and, and it really helps what we call care coordination, kind of so yep. they know. And it also really helps kind of um, let the primary care doc know because what happens if we're not around, for example, that person maybe will go to the ER, the primary care doc doesn't even know, they get put on another medication, and then they come home, and now they're on two medications for maybe high blood pressure. You know, I mean, it, it just really helps to coordinate care so everyone knows, um, uh, you know, your left hand speaking to the right. And, and this is a big, big issue in individuals uh, with disabilities. They may go to a neurologist and then a psychiatrist and their primary care doc and their GI, and they don't all talk um all the time and so uh what ends up happening is what we call polypharmacy individuals are on six or seven or eight different medications and maybe some of them they don't need to be so um anyway it, that's a a long-winded way of saying that we coordinate care with the primary care doc we are not there to replace them but we're there to really support their uh solution and, and they you know once they understand like hey these guys know what they're talking about they really understand the patient um, I'm very busy in my office. I also have a family and some calling me at 10 o'clock at night. You know, I'm not, your physician's not just waiting by the phone to answer your questions. We are, that's what we're there for. We're there to, to answer those questions. Yeah. I imagine many, uh, doctors really enjoy <clears throat> what, what station MD is able to provide there. Um, and it sounds like it's really relieving a lot of stress from the emotional side, relieving a lot of stress on the individual, the family, yeah. and also the system. It's a lot of stress on the system to have the emergency room filled for 24 hours a day with 50 people. Um, it causes a lot yeah. of stress on Medicaid, insurance, those types of things. So it makes sense. I mean, we're going toward that as a society, society more telemedicine, Zoom meetings, those kinds of things. Um, I do want to acknowledge chat here really quick. 
Uh, Mallory Karen says, another thing about speaking with doctors and professionals is being respected and believed is very uh, important. She said is, is huge. Uh, and she says, I wish I could have this. Uh, Mallory, we're going to get to that um, a little bit later here. But I wanted to ask if you were to pick somebody that would be perfect for station MD, is there uh, somebody that really sticks out in your mind or a scenario and environment there? Well, um, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts. And then Paige, if you have some thoughts, I, I really do believe that it is um, perfect for anyone who may potentially have a medical problem or an issue. And so that's a pretty broad net, right? It's kind of like, do we really need an emergency department in our city or town or place? Well, you never know when you're going to need it, right? Um, you might need it once or twice a year, or maybe you need it uh, all the time. But the person that, again, so so I'll say that in general, it's good to have. Uh, it's one of those things that you hope you never need, but to know that you have it, it can be really impactful. The second thing I'll say is that uh, what we kind of touched on, um, if you have a child like that maybe have very big sensory issues or a transportation issue, or if you really um, are in a remote portion of the state or somewhere where it's, you know, it's a challenge to get to a doctor that needs you. Those are the types of people that I think really benefit. Just to give you an idea though, we do work with individuals in their own home. We work with individuals that are part of a group home. And we also work with individuals that are in what's called an ICF, which is kind of like a skilled nursing facility or for individuals with disabilities. So I, again, I, I'll say it, I think this is perfect for anyone that is caring for someone with a disability in general, but especially those with some of those issues. I don't know, Paige, if you had any thoughts on um, who could benefit from it. Yeah, I mean, reiterating that point, it's um, for any individual who has intellectual and developmental disabilities and the family or um, support professionals who support them, this is often a lifeline. It's not just a matter of convenience. It's um, can be life-saving. It certainly was during COVID. Um, and, you know, we have uh, collected data on our success rate, and we know that 90% of the calls that our doctors receive, they're able to resolve the issue without the individual ever leaving home. Well, that's been not just a, a matter of convenience, but that is for some of these individuals, it's um, a matter, it's significant cost savings for provider agencies. That's a, that's a significant cost savings that they are not having to, you know, they're able to avoid spending millions of dollars on specialty transportation. Also, you know, millions of dollars on, um, on, on staff overtime fees and things like that. Those resources are then able to be dedicated to programs that support the individuals. So um, there's a mega ripple effect across anyone who sort of is, um, you know, touching the individual, um, not physically, yeah. but, you know, in their lives. So. Yeah. And I yeah. think the point you make, sorry, the point you make, um, you know, to tie in what you said earlier, not it, we're actually at 92% of the calls we get, we're able to keep that individual in their home setting. Um, mm -hmm. And so the impact of that is obviously you're not transporting someone, they're not going to the emergency room, they're not getting admitted as much, you're bringing the quality of care up. But all of that, the first and most important part of it is you're, you're, you're improving that individual's quality of life. So those six or eight hours that would have been wasted 
done in 20 minutes and they can do what they want to do. Obviously, there's an impact on the family. But you know what there's also an impact on is the financial. And so for this to work, there's a benefit to the individual, but there's a tremendous, as Paige said, amount of savings. ER visits are expensive. Hospitalizations are expensive. So that's why we are um, really excited about this solution, because it's not only good for the individual and has um, a positive impact on the family and the care, but there's also an impact on the savings um, yeah. because we're very <clears throat> expensive. I love coming across businesses and ideas that it just makes sense all the way around. It's like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. This should be everywhere. Everybody should have access to it. Um, yeah, now yeah. Speaking of, That's a great, thank you. Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Um, speaking of access, you mentioned that <clears throat> in other states, a lot of station MD clients uh, may be in a provider home or a, a nursing facility. How does the training go for someone if they're eligible for a station MD? Do you call them and train them on how to do this? Or do you contact their provider and train the staff of the provider how to do that? What does the onboarding sure. process look like for the community where station MD is available? Sure, sure. So uh, first I'll say it's it's extremely easy to use. Um, it's it's simply the way it works is a, a, a number, a toll-free number that you call and when you call and you're enrolled in the solution, you actually don't even need to be enrolled yet. We can do that at that process at that time. You call that number and we have <clears throat> what's called a navigator that will stay on the phone with you until you connect with a doctor. And the way you connect with a doctor is really you press one button on an app on your phone or iPad or whatever device, and that's how you do it. Now, that being said, we, uh, we do provide training uh, just to walk people through how the process works. And we work with provider agencies and their, their leadership uh, we work with DSPs and we also work with family members, um, you know, basically to train them, say, hey, if this happens, here's the number you call and, and really that's it. But as far as some complex, like really understanding how it works and what it's really, we've uh, intentionally made it super simple to use. Um, but yeah. regarding those agencies that we partner with, that onboarding, what we need from them is they need to tell us who they want covered. We plug those people into our system and then we tell the staff or the family, say, hey, if something happens, call us. Uh, and that's really as easy as it is. I love that it's just a, a phone call. Uh, click, you know, yeah. call this number, kind of click on this link, and we'll be there within a few minutes. Um, and you said in twenty, you know, sometimes all it takes twenty minutes to not have yeah. to go to the emergency room. Uh, that's yeah, huge. no, it's it is a super convenient, yeah, super convenient. And you know, again, I guess there's another benefit of of I guess this recent pandemic is like. People are comfortable with doing video calls and video discussions, a lot more comfortable um, with this solution. But yeah, we we made it really easy to use. Mm -hmm. uh, my follow-up question, um, even for myself, is so we're going more toward Zooms, telemedicine, this type of stuff. But what about for things where I want my blood drawn? Um, you know, I have mm -hmm. I take cholesterol medication. That's something that I have to keep an eye on. Uh, what right. about things for blood pressure? How how do I measure that? Um, what does that look sure. like for you guys and for the future of telemedicine? Uh, no, th these are great questions. So, you know, we have the capacity. So when we work with provider agencies or group homes, they oftentimes uh, provide us with just some basic vital signs like pulse, temperature, blood pressure. Now, there's also gadgets out there that we employ that are automatic. You just slip it on someone's arm or finger and you get a reading and that's really it. <clears throat> now, um, if we feel the individual does need blood work and it's not an emergent issue, they need to get it right away, we help coordinate that. So someone can come to their home and draw the blood. Um, I will say 
this, that, you know, I don't look at this as a substitute. I, I look at this as superior care to, them, to what they're getting right now, rather than going to the ER. That being said, obviously there is a lot of things that we cannot handle. If someone needs stitches, well, we need to send them out. Uh, we can't do that virtually. Um, not yet, I'll say. Uh, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there that's coming with robotics and artificial intelligence. But regarding the blood draws or if someone immediately needs uh, some kind of diagnostic imaging, you know, if you fall and hit your head and you're on a blood thinner, you really should have a CAT scan. <clears throat> but the nice thing is we have physicians who understand they're trained ER docs who know, hey, this is something that you need to address now and need to go. Or, hey, you don't need this blood test immediately right now today. You can do it as another point. Or let me connect you with this lab that will come to your home and do it. So, again, it's a resource that we have that we are able to really guide the family or person on what, what needs to be done when and where. And so they have someone they can talk to. Yeah, and so that's also is, when sorry. in the situation where there is an emergency where the individual does need to go out, Station MD will coordinate with the local emergency departments to prepare for their arrival. Yeah, yeah, that's so, a great point. Yeah. And I can tell you that that that's a solution that we have kind of, you know, if someone does need to go to the ER, I'll call the ER doctor to doctor and say, hey, I'm sending John you know, try not to make him wait in the waiting room forever. They're going to decompensate and he doesn't need the whole blood test and CAT scan. He just needs, you know, this done. It's, it really helps expedite the care if, you know, in the ER a lot of times, but it also really is the gold standard for a physician, for one doctor to call another and say, here's what's going on. You know, for those people on this call that maybe have been to the ER or, or, or been there with uh, someone that they don't know, what I encounter a lot is someone will come from a group home with a DSP who doesn't really know the individual and they have a binder that looks like a phone book, no doctor ever reads that. I don't know where to find information there. And so by default, I'm like, I'm going to do a bunch of tests. Now on the flip side, I call and say, hey, this is Dr. Trevetti. I'm sending John in for leg swelling. He just needs an ultrasound. Maybe don't make him wait, get him right back there and get it done. I'm just looking for a clot or whatever that test is. And then they're also a lot more um, hesitant to send them back out because they know that this doctor, Station MD, will follow up on their care, <clears throat> as opposed to like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to admit this person. So, um, but yeah, that is a solution. I'm sorry, a service that whenever we send someone out, wherever it is, we always call that that receiving facility. Yeah, it's kind of like guiding an emergency, even if it is an emergency. Uh, having right. somebody from familiar with uh, my family, the my you know, my disability, if I'm calling on behalf of myself. And then I love that you guys contact the ER room doctors. That's so cool yeah. Um, yeah. to help out that process there uh, and kind of set it no, up. It, so it, another it really, uh, it's sorry. No, it's just really um, has made a difference because, uh, well, I'm sure anyone who's been to the ER knows it's it's rarely a short process. So anything we can do to, to speed it up and make it better, we, we're willing to do. Now we're primarily talking to uh, the disability community here in Alabama, but um, you know, people say if you live long enough, you're going to have a disability eventually. Do you guys also <clears throat> focus on the elderly? So our primary focus right now is individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities, um, and, and there are people that are, you know, age into that uh, that have a disability. We are talking to some states and uh, helping cover some of their elderly population with chronic conditions, because a lot of the challenges are very similar. But right now, our focus is those individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities as of today. Um, that may change as 
states really see the the impact of our solution and have us go into adjunct populations like those with chronic conditions or those that are homebound, um, things like that. Oh man, you guys are going to explode over the next five to 10 years. You guys are going <laughs> to let me know yeah, when you guys I, go. I, <laughs> yeah. I hope we can make an impact. And, and, you know, you said it earlier, anyone that understands this population, uh, or has a loved one or a family member or a friend with no one says to me or a station MD, like, Oh, that's a dumb idea. Um, it's just a matter of how can we operationalize it? Because it is a change in culture and how you think and how you address care. And, and frankly, to be honest, how do we pay for it? Um, and again, the beauty is, is that there is a lot of savings to be had. So uh, that's, that's where you, you get the, how do you cover it? Uh, make, make financial sense of it. Now, a number of other communities across the U.S. Uh, have found benefit with Station MD. If you could talk a little bit about uh, who you currently serve, different states, uh, and how many you serve, uh, kind of give a grasp of how big Station MD is. Sure, sure. So, um, and Paige can uh, correct me on this, but I think we're in about 13 states covering, oh, something like 30,000 individuals, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We partner with states. Uh, we partner directly with individual provider agencies because they see the value in this. Uh, and we are starting to have some talks with some managed, <coughs> excuse me, managed care organizations. Uh, and then also, like I said, state DD services or health and human services, whatever it's called, and also uh, state Medicaid. Um, but uh, I don't know, Paige, did I miss something? I think that's kind of our footprint right now. Yeah, close, thir about 35,000 individuals. 35, 13 and states and you know, about 35 individual 35,000 individuals and this is you know over over the past two and a half years um, that has really that number has really changed so station B initially started with by serving about 1300 individuals across three states and then um, when people started <laughs> to get more accustomed to um, using telehealth during the pandemic um, states, started requesting the service. Uh, provider agencies started requesting the service. So Station MD has scaled to meet that demand. Um, what we know is that there's somewhere in between, it depends on what source you read, um, there's anywhere between 8 million and 16 million individuals with IDD um, across the country. So um, there are certainly more individuals who could be served. Um, the state of Alabama, where we are not yet uh, serving individuals is, you know, one of the targets where we hope to bring the service to these individuals here. Yeah, and all right, so I want the service. I have a family member that could benefit from Station MD. Can I get the service just for my family member? Well, that's a great question. And, and unfortunately in Alabama, not yet. So uh, without going into really boring, uh, rules about Medicaid. Uh, most individuals with disabilities have Medicaid. And if you have Medicaid, you cannot contract directly with uh, a group like us and say, hey, here's, let me pay you. Uh, and we can't accept that. Let's just put it that way. So what we have to do with our services, we have to partner with the state on some level, uh, or we have to partner with a provider agency. So Let's say, for example, your organization uh, th that provide your long-term services and supports or provide your you know, group home for you, they can pay us and contract with us to provide this service to the individuals. And many do. Not Again, not in Alabama yet, but in mo many states. So 
unfortunately, you can't say, hey, I want this. Let me just pay you and, and do it uh, again because of Medicaid rules. We can't accept that. You have to go through state Medicaid uh, or, again, the provider agency that's providing your care has to partner with us. <clears throat> okay. Um, so that would be something like, so my aunt lives uh, in a home that a provider owns. Uh, and that provider could pay for Station MD kind of out of pocket, uh, knowing that by using Station MD, they will have savings in the future because they'll have less emergency room visits. They'll have better yes. care for their individuals. Their individuals that they take care of will be happier, will have a more pleasant experience speaking with their doctors. Um, and because they see the benefit of that, they, they don't have to wait for the state or anything or Medicaid to approve it. They right. can, the provider can pay for it on their own. Correct. That's exactly it. And I'll tell you a few things. One, in Alabama is no different. There is a crisis of caretakers, of direct support professionals. So anything that we can do to support them, we, we should do, be doing as a community. So we are there as a resource for them. Agencies have saved a lot of money on not sending people out, paying for overtime and them going to ER. I work with one agency that before we started, it was a group home of five people. If one person went to the urgent care ER, everyone got in the van and went because they just didn't have the staffing. So they do see a return there. Um, and the other thing I'll say is we have made this, we have priced this very reasonably um, to provide this service. Uh, you know, to give you a rough idea for some agencies, we charge them um, $30 on a month per month that's it a dollar a day to provide 24 7 physician coverage to um that individual <clears throat> along with all the other stuff we do we provide notes and documentation education because we want you know we believe in the mission and we want to spread it to as many people as possible if you're charging you know 500 bucks or whatever it's just not going to have its impact so we've made it very reasonable with the hope of you know, expanding a dollar a day just has a ring to it. It makes sense. Like you said, yeah, a dollar yeah. a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Paige, this question will kind of be directed to you a little bit, but let's say I'm not receiving service through a provider, um, but I am on Medicaid um, or I'm a family member. How do I help get Station MD uh, to be accepted here in the state of Alabama? Yeah, so I think that's what we're trying to, you know, ha have a discussion about how we get this service here. Um, and I think the most, you know, probably the best way, there are two avenues. So one, you could start by talking to your Medicaid case manager. Um, start talking to them about the service and, um, you know, forward our video, let them know about it. Um, and start talking to them about how you can request it from the state. Um, if we can get the state to uh, start you know, recognizing the need for it, then there may be a sense of urgency to dedicate funds to providing the service for individuals who, um, who, who they serve. Uh, another avenue is to um, talk with, um, if you're, you know, connected, affiliated with um, a provider agency, start talking to your provider agency administrators. You know, there's this service called Station MD. I know that they, um, provide medical care to uh, individuals with IDD, other agencies, you know, provider agencies. So how can we get that so that we know that we have access to a physician 24-7 on demand? Um, so I think those are probably the two best ways. And then the third way is 
start talking to the advocacy groups. You know, there's the Lakeshore Foundation here in Birmingham. There's the ARC, um, various locations around the state. Um, the, you know, so any of those organizations that are working closely with individuals who have disabilities, um, creating that level of awareness is going to start driving that machine forward. Yeah, start yeah. advocating, talking to your, or, I'm sorry, uh, go ahead. No, 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 I was just gonna re reiterate. I mean, this is, you know, kudos to you because I think that what I see is advocacy and just awareness and getting the word out, not just about us and what we do, but about the needs of individuals with disabilities. Um, it's, it's a daily challenge. Uh, you know, what I find is that a lot of people talk about uh, health equity and providing equal to people from different communities and different populations, whether that be uh, along um, socioeconomic lines or racial lines or whatever. Uh, and then I chime in and say, what about people with disabilities? They're like, oh, yeah. They're always an afterthought to a lot of the solutions and services that, that we provide uh, and that your, your listeners really need. But it's driven by... Um, you know, advocacy and awareness. I mean, you, you know, you have to talk to your legislators, talk to your, the people providing care, because uh, if there's a crack to fall through, individuals with disabilities fall through it. You know, they just don't get the attention and the service and solution you need. As I said, telehealth is really popular and people love it. Um, but telehealth for people with disabilities, we're one of the only or very few organizations doing it. So, you know, access and awareness, like Paige is saying, this, this, uh, Thank you for having us on here because I think this is one way we want to get to more people to know about what we're doing. Yeah, and I think here in Alabama, it's one out of every five individuals have a di are on disability. Um, so well, we as a community and as a state definitely need something like this. And for anybody uh, listening, that if you don't like to go to the doctor, you need to start talking with your case managers. You need to start talking with your DSPs. You need to start talking with your providers. Um, and medicate all the way up to ADMH and say, hey, I, you know, I, it causes me a lot of stress. I don't always get the attention that I need. It's an unpleasant experience. I know you guys are paying way out of pocket uh, for my emergency visit. Station MD is going to alleviate a lot of my pain and a lot of your pain. We need to start talking about this as a state. Um, yeah. And I think our numbers speak for itself here in Alabama. Like I said, about 20% of Alabamians are on disability. Um, now, as we kind of come to a close here, we always like to, and you, you've both mentioned some examples. Uh, I like to ask, is there another success story uh, that you'd like to highlight that kind of drives home um, what the benefit is for the individual? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you, there's, there's, um, I'll give you one that was very, uh, just to give you an idea, and your listeners have probably experienced this, um, that will be impactful and was impactful uh, because otherwise it could have run, had really serious ramifications. And that one first one is an individual that was banging their head and uh, having these outbursts uh, and they got sent to the emergency department several times. They, I believe, got uh, put in a psychiatric ward for several days. Then um, this happened again. Long story short, when we evaluated the individual, we talked and took close attention. We say we, it wasn't me, it was one of our physicians. And we had time and we had their records and we knew the individual. We spoke to the mother <clears throat> and figured out this was a toothache. This, this gentleman was banging his head because his, he had a dental abscess. They couldn't find a dentist who would take him. So we called the dentist. We explained the situation doctor to doctor and said, look, he's not going to be disruptive. He'll handle it. 
anyway, long story short, this was a dental abscess or cavity that was taken care of and handled by us. And prior to us, the individual was put in a psychiatric ward for five days or something like that. So you can see that's a huge impact. The second part I'll say that an example is really not as exciting and really frankly boring, but like I said, those refills. We've had given individuals refills on their seizure meds because they can't reach anyone that would have resulted in a seizure. So those are two, two examples that come to mind. Uh, and again, there's countless examples of how we've impacted an individual, but you know, you, you can see there's real, a, a real um, ramification of using us versus not using us from the outcomes to the individual, how that individual receives care and, and how they feel. And of course the financial impact is there too. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of our TikTok clips um, is the uh, difference of five days in a psychi psychiatry ward as opposed to going and fixing a tooth abscess. It's just a, yeah, an amazing yeah. difference in experience for everybody involved, the individual, the family, and the system there. So, yeah, thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Now, <clears throat> as uh, we always like to ask as well, are there any upcoming events that you recommend individuals and families should attend? Are there any trainings going on through Station MD? Any conferences you recommend people attend? So uh, there's a lot of advocacy conferences that we attend and, and that we speak at. Um, the one that's coming up this weekend that we'll be at is the American Association of Dentistry and Medicine for Disabilities. And I totally butchered it, but it's AADMD. Uh, that's in Orlando. Uh, and that conference uh, is in conjunction with, I believe, the 20th anniversary of Special Olympics. So we will be attending and presenting there. We often attend... Um, conferences that involve disability nurses. I just came back from one, what's called DDNA, Developmental Disability Nursing Association. There's always the ARC is a big advocate uh, in many states and nationally. Um, <clears throat> and those are like some of the, the, I say organizations that are advocates, advocacy organizations. In Alabama specifically, I don't know of any specific ones that are coming up, but again, uh, your, your best option is to reach out to the disability division of the state and they may uh, have some more information. Um, but again, uh, if, if people on this call or, or, or this uh, that are listening now have, um, you know, are interested in having us come down and present at a conference or, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go and, 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 and spread the word wherever it's needed. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. And um, just a side note, so Medicaid in Alabama does not cover uh, dental. It's a big pain yeah. for our community. It's a national problem. Um, just getting to a dentist that will take the individual is, is tough enough. Um, but, uh, and this population has a lot of oral health issues because of that. You know, it's, it's, it's a clinical problem that people with disabilities have. Um, and, and again, that's a perfect example of, you know, just because you have a disability, you shouldn't be deprived of dental care. Just because you have a disability doesn't mean that, you know, you can't get your med refilled or whatever it is. So, yeah. Um, and last question here, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think an individual or family member could benefit from hearing? I'll, I'll let you go first, Paige, or do you, if you have? Yeah, well, um, I just, you know, going back to what uh, Mallory, the comment that she had um, about being heard. So, you know, just having uh, access to a group of doctors <laughs> 24 seven on demand, anytime you need them, um, who are speaking the language of individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, that seems to be a pain point that we hear often is that um, 
you know, just being heard, understood, listened to. Um, now there is a group of doctors who are available at all times who can do just that. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I would, um, echo that sentiment. And the only thing I would say is that I, uh, it's not something new that I haven't said, but I would just, it's worth repeating is I really do believe that this should be the standard of care. It's not for everything, but for many, many things, um, it is a safety net. It is a resource. It is a game changer. Uh, it's, uh, for, for families and individuals. Uh, I'll, I'll end on a, on a quick, uh, on kind of a, a funny story is <clears throat> I make uh, the analogy to, um, blockbuster video. You know, when's the last time you rented a video? So we don't do that anymore. We be, we don't do that anymore because there's a different way, a cheaper way, a better way of uh, 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 doing things. And and I really look at telehealth and telemedicine as a more convenient, better, uh, not a substitute, but superior to the old way uh, of doing things. And I believe that it really impacts the life of an individual with disability. And so that's our mission. And we're hoping that we get to Alabama soon. Well, uh, I think we're definitely going that route as a society. We're going to do more of the electronics, and I'm, uh, I'm very grateful that uh, Station MD and you are are pushing that envelope there. Uh, so thank you on behalf of the Alabama Care Community for making waves there. Uh, now you mentioned that. Uh, so how many doctors do you does Station MD currently have on staff? So we have roughly. 40 physicians that rotate around and take the call. I mean, we have the capacity to cover a lot more individuals, but um, we have a core group of 40 doctors that uh, cover this service 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, and the nice thing about telemedicine is <clears throat> if we get busy, we can just add another doc in to help kind of diffuse that, that, you know, surge as opposed to in the real world, you know, you have to call a doctor have to come in, draw, you know, by the time they get to the hospital, it's like, okay, well, this is over whatnot. So yeah, but we have a core group of 40. Now, as a, as a family member, or maybe as a parent, hearing that there are 40 trained physicians uh, in the disability community that are waiting to, to hear from me and that understand what my, my family member, my family is going through, is such a relief to know that I have that support. Um, so I, yeah. I think Alabamians, we need to get on this. Uh, we need to get Station MD in here in the state. Um, once again, I really appreciate you both taking some time uh, this afternoon and telling us, educating us about all that Station MD does. So thank you. Thank you for having us and thank you for, for being a voice for individuals. I think that's absolutely critical. And I, I would uh, venture to guess, I thank all your listeners because uh, this population needs other people to speak up for them and, and they deserve to have great care. So thank you for what you do. Appreciate it. I pr appreciate thank that. Thank you, Yep. And Thank at this you. page, we'll go ahead and, and close down. So what you guys can do is just exit out of your window and it will close you out. And we'll all kind of give our cameras a little bit of wave uh, and see, see, see you guys next time. Thanks so much. Take care. Yes. Thanks.